This is Christianity in Action, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Albany, Georgia. For more info, visit 1stpresalbany.org. Hey everybody, this is J.D. Sumner here, First Pres Albany, Georgia, uh, bringing you the sermon from Sunday, uh, March 22nd, uh, from Reverend Joshua Bauer, uh, focused on Mark chapter 13. Uh, you can go back and check our previous podcast uh, on uh, the road ahead and what that may look like, but uh, without further ado, here's the right Reverend bringing you his message. So we're going through Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. And then over the next few chapters, he, uh, he has these, these teachings, he tells parables, he has conflicts with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. This is from Mark chapter 13. And just to give you the lay of the land, in Mark chapter 15 uh, is when the crucifixion happens. And so we're, we're right on the cusp of it. He's been in the temple courts where he flipped over the tables where he's having these teachings and having these conflicts. Now, as Jesus was going out of the temple courts, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look at all these tremendous stones and buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. All will be torn down. So, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? Jesus began to say to them, Watch out that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These things must happen. But the end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. You must watch out for yourselves. You will be handed over to councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. And the good news must be proclaimed to all nations. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send angels and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you read a new book, where do you start? When you get a brand new book that you're just itching to read, whether it's, it's a you know, regular uh, old-fashioned book or on your tablet or whatever, where do you start? That might seem like a dumb question, like an obvious question. Where do you start? Well, the beginning, right? But for some folks, it's, it's not that simple. It's not that straightforward. I know plenty of folks... I've lived with some who, when they get a brand new book, they'll, they'll read the very beginning and then they go straight to the end because they want to see how it all turns out. They just got to know. They can't help themselves. They got to flip to the end and just take a peek and see what's there. I'll see how the story resolves. See what happens to their favorite characters. 
way back in 2009. How long ago does that seem today? But way back in 2009, somebody gave me a copy of the book The Lost Symbol by Dan Brown. It was the follow-up to The Da Vinci Code. You remember that one? Right from the beginning, just like The Da Vinci Code, it's one of these cliffhanger-filled page-turners. And um, This is how the prologue ends. It says, The initiate exhaled, smiling inwardly as he gazed up at the unsuspecting gray-eyed man who had foolishly admitted him into his brotherhood's most secretive ranks. He thought, Soon you will lose everything you hold most dear. What? Did you hear that? What was that all about? Soon you will lose everything you hold most dear. Doesn't that make you want to just flip through as, as fast as you can and get to the end of that book? Just see what happened? It seems that that temptation doesn't have to do with just books. It even happened to Jesus' disciples in today's scripture reading. As Jesus and his disciples walked out of the temple courts, one of his disciples was so blown away at the immensity of the Jerusalem temple that he just blurts out, Teacher, look at these tremendous stones! God bless his heart, right? As we say here, he's just a country boy from Galilee doing the best he can in the big city. A few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went to Atlanta. Wouldn't you, you know, three weeks ago when you could still move freely about the country and all that sort of thing. Went to Atlanta to see the Atlanta Symphony, and I swear to you, we were walking, the two of us afterward, in just buildings on every side, and I actually turned to my wife and said, these buildings are so big. Bless my heart. Just a country boy from upstate New York and now southwest Georgia. So I get where this poor disciple's coming from. I mean, he's blown away. He doesn't know what to say. But I don't think he could have expected to hear the response that Jesus gave him either. You see all these great buildings? You see this immense temple, not one stone will be left on another. All will be torn down. And it's like the end of the prologue. What? Did you hear that? What's that all about? All will be torn down. Did he just say, did Jesus just say that the, the whole entire temple structure, the center of our Jewish faith, from the disciples' perspective, is going to be torn down? One stone not left on another? What? Doesn't it make you want to just flip to the end of that story and see how things are going to take place? It seems it did that for Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Uh, they asked Jesus outright as soon as they could in private, tell us, tell us, when will all these things happen? What will be the sign that these things are about to take place? Jesus, when will all your predictions come through? Will you flip to the back of the book for us? And as it turns out, Peter, James, John, and Andrew were not the last disciples to ask that question either. Tell us, when are these things going to happen? Flip to the back of the book. Christians throughout history have spent huge amounts of time and effort trying to figure out the end of the story. Jesus, when will these things happen? Whole careers have been built. Whole volumes of books have been written about what we call the end times. The end times. Trying to, to look at what's going on today trying to hear for the wars and the rumors of wars and the earthquakes and the famines and the natural disasters and add it all up to answer the question, is this the end? Is this it? So of course, I've already heard it about COVID-19, about coronavirus. 
is this the end? Is this one of the signs? I had a friend send me a text and say, I just had somebody ask me, is this the end? Is this the end times? This morning on CNN.com, I got up and found out, did you know, remember uh, the psychic Sylvia Brown? You remember her? <laughs> she, I barely remember her. Uh, she, she died in 2013. But did you know in 2008, she in her book about the future predicted that in 2020 there would be a pneumonia-like illness. And it would, I'm not even going to go any further with that prediction. But did you know that? And that was the start of these whole things that there are people today online quoting Mark 13 and Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation to pull together and say, oh my gosh, look at the Australian wildfires and there are locusts in Africa, plagues, there are famines and there are wars happening all over the place. This must be the end times, right? It doesn't matter that Sylvia Brown was never a Christian prophet in her lifetime, and it doesn't matter that Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. None of that matters. We still try to figure out the end. You can go today, this afternoon, if you're floating around on the internet, to a website that gives you the rapture index. The rapture index. Yeah, when's Jesus going to come and and take us all out, up, not kill us all. Uh, it adds up all the events going on today, and it translates them into an actual usable number to tell us the rapture index. How close are we to Jesus' return? As of Thursday, I checked it out, I haven't looked at it this morning, but as of Thursday, the rapture index was at 182. Now, for context, that's only seven points away from that website's all-time high rapture index. Could this be the end? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not just making fun to make fun. Now is not a good time to ridicule your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because this impulse to figure out when it's all going to happen, this, uh, this deep desire in us to know the end and what it looks like and what's ahead of it, it all comes, I think, from a very human emotion. And that human emotion is fear. We're afraid. We are afraid. And why wouldn't we be afraid right now? We have every reason to be. Because when you can't see the road ahead, when you have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring, when things are going a mile a minute and they're taking you with them, it feels unsafe. It's like you're stuck in a pitch black hallway and you can't see ahead of you, but you've got to take the next step. You don't have a choice. You just have to keep going forward. And you don't know if you're going to hit something or something's going to jump out at you. You have no idea. It produces anxiety and totally justified fear. Because I don't know about you, but the world that I live in today is totally different than the world I lived in just one week ago. Different norms, different expectations, different fears. And so it makes me want to flip to the end of the story. It makes sense. Think about it. If Jesus would just come back, if Jesus would just come back right now, at this exact moment, if Jesus would just come back and, and rapture believers out of here, just get us out of here, well, then you wouldn't have to worry about yourself or your loved ones contracting coronavirus. You wouldn't have to worry about the people you know who've already tested positive 
or the people who are sick but just not sick enough to be tested. You wouldn't have to worry when somebody sneezes or coughs or has a low-grade fever. Do they have it? You wouldn't have to worry about any of that. You wouldn't have to worry about what your retirement account looks like or even if you're going to be able to retire or what your business, what's going to happen to it when people can't leave the house. You wouldn't have to worry about presidential elections. Remember those? You wouldn't have to worry about all the normal stuff that hasn't gone away. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you didn't have to go through the worry and the suffering of this world anymore, if you could just flip to the back of the book? It is so tempting to feel that way. And it's understandable. Jesus knows that temptation. It's the same temptation his disciples felt that day. Come on, Jesus, tell us when are these things going to happen? But Jesus wouldn't do it. He would not do it. Jesus would not give in to the temptation to that fear. What he did do that day, though, can give us hope and comfort and empower us to live as his followers right here, right now. Jesus didn't give his disciples the answer they were looking for, but what he did, I imagine him putting his arm around whatever disciple asked. And because they weren't in our world, they wouldn't have shuddered. There was no social distancing. They wouldn't have backed up. Because Jesus always pulls us closer when we are afraid, doesn't he? And so I imagine him putting his arm around this disciple. And he gave it to him straight. Like a really great loving parent who doesn't sugarcoat it and just loves his children enough to tell them the truth. He launched into this honest and sometimes terrifying teaching about what's going to happen before the end. Instead of flipping to the back of the book, he taught his disciples all about the middle of it, about all the hard work and the difficulty and even the persecution that faced his disciples on the road ahead. I'll admit it, it doesn't sound here like he's giving his disciples a word of comfort and hope, but I hope you didn't miss what he said right near the beginning of it all. He said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These things must happen. Do not be alarmed. Do not be disturbed. Do not be frightened. Do not be afraid. And just as the disciples, and I think we, start to turn to Jesus and say, how how are we not supposed to be afraid or alarmed or disturbed or frightened in times like this? He pulls us just a little closer and maybe brings that other arm over just to hold us and says, in those days, everyone will see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds with great power and glory. Jesus is quoting here the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13. And in Daniel, there's this vision of four beasts that are surrounding God's people, just threatening to devour them. And in the middle of that threat, God gives all power and authority in heaven and on earth to one like a son of man. And that son of man is enthroned with God on the clouds with great power and glory. Usually we hear Jesus talk about this coming on the clouds and we think of the future, Jesus coming again. And that's cool, it means that too. But when Jesus originally said it to his disciples, he actually wasn't talking about the future. In Matthew's Gospel, 
when he was on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And the chief priest demanded of him and said, tell us, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I have said so. You have said so, sorry. Now you have said so. And see, from now on, not in the future, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. From now on, from that point forward, Little did they know when they put the crown of thorns on Jesus' head, they were, it was a coronation. It was Jesus being enthroned, um, just like the Son of Man was in Daniel. And remember, when he was resurrected in Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, referencing that Daniel teaching, that from that point forward, Jesus was enthroned. So he wasn't giving them hope just for the future. He was giving them hope and comfort for their present. He was giving them hope for right then. He was reminding them that he was the one with all power and authority right then at that moment. He was reminding his disciples that right there in the midst of the threats that surrounded him, he had all power and authority from God. And after his death and resurrection, he would rule at God's right hand. He was reminding them that he was the king right then and forever. And so that meant that God was with them right then and forever. And if you don't believe me on that, believe the book of Hebrews, the early Christians who were being persecuted. They used these words to comfort one another from Hebrews 13. The writer said, God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was reminding his disciples that they were his beloved people and he was going to defend them and care for them and lead them that exact moment and forever. And I hear Jesus saying the same thing to us today. Wherever we are, whatever our fears and anxieties may be, pulling us closer now than ever and reminding us that he has all power and authority right now and that he rules from high right now, that he is the king right now and for all time. God is with us, will never leave us, will never forsake us. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are his beloved people. You. You are his beloved child. And he is going to care for you and lead you and empower you and protect you every single day, now and forever. That's a word of hope and comfort that we need as much now as the disciples did back then. And so I hope you can hear it and receive it right now, believe it. And I also hope it doesn't stop with you. I hope that you'll spread the word of comfort and hope to others right now because everybody needs to hear it. Everybody. And that really was the point of Jesus' teaching back then to his disciples. He meant it to comfort them and give them hope. But remember, he said, the good news must be proclaimed to all nations. That's why we're here. We have a job to do. That's why Jesus won't just flip to the end of the book. It's why Jesus taught his disciples and us about how to live in the middle of it, right here, right now, because right here, right now, 
needs people who are willing to say and to show the good news even in the midst of the bad news. Jesus calls us to resist the temptation to try to flip to the back of the book. Instead, flip to today. Flip to right now in this moment, wherever you are. Flip to your phone. Not your flip phone. I mean, I guess if you have that, you can use that too, if you still have one of those guys. Uh, but, but flip to your phone. Send an encouraging text. Send a loving text. Call somebody that needs to hear an encouraging word just to be checked in on because they're stuck in their house. Flip to Facebook or, or Twitter or some social media. And instead of putting some crazy theory or arguing with somebody, just go on and love folks. Post something funny. People need to laugh. Do something encouraging in those moments. Flip to your own neighborhood. Check on your neighbors. See how they're doing, the people who live near you. If you're in a church, flip through the directory and just start contacting people and ask, how are you doing right now? It makes a difference. Use every tool at your disposal. FaceTime with somebody when you can't be with them in person. Flip to all the people who need to hear an encouraging word from Jesus. And right now, I think that's everybody. Right here, in the midst of the threats that surround us, people need to know that Jesus has all power and authority from God. Christ is the king right now. Christ will be the king tomorrow and the day after that, and forever. God is with us right now and forever and will never leave us or forsake us. And we are his beloved people. So knowing that reality, flip to today, where God put you in this moment to love other people. Amen. This is Christianity in Action, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Albany, Georgia. For more info, visit 1stpresalbany.org.